Welcome to Book of Bottom Podcast with Div Chena. Hello. Div Chena and Ed are behind keeping me filled in with all of the latest horrible stories about Mormonism. One I wanted to talk about today carries on from what me and Jones mentioned last week. Jody Hildebrand and she is the quote therapist and Ruby Frankie is the mother. That therapist sounds like a real piece of work. Some of the stuff that Connections believes, it's just bonkers, like not loving your children and only really caring caring about them as kind of like cattle that are being made in God's image as they determine it to be. That's Mormonism. All the abuse is for God, right? Because supposedly the children chose this family in the pre-existence. That's a real head fuck, isn't it? It's absolving the parents of any responsibility. Mm-hmm. I think if I was a parent, I would be lost in wonder about what they're going to turn out like. What are the things they're going to believe? Right. What are you going to do with your life? How are you going to interpret everything? When my niece and nephew were born, talking about how excited they are to see the person that these children become. Right. And I think this is how most parents feel. But it's not the same in Mormonism where it's all about eternity, not this life. And that just seems so sad to me because I love to see how my niece and nephew decipher the world and how they make decisions. And it's this great, beautiful mystery. It's sad to see that stopped. I think a lot of the religious right would say they love American individualism, but at the same time, they've got this collective mindfuck that's just trying to make everyone the same. We know from hardline communist countries or authoritarian countries, even though they're the opposite, supposedly, on the political spectrum. It's still trying to make everyone the same. It always has a bad result. you got to let people be free to walk away from Christ and not punish them for that. Oh, God. Yeah, that's the premise of the United States. We say one thing and we do the opposite. We all contradict ourselves in some ways. I just think that the best we can do is to be a bit chill about it and realize that we're not perfect and we do contradict ourselves. And if we talk about it, maybe we can come up with solutions. But when the only solution presented is the one you have to have, otherwise you're considered blasphemous and you're just excommunicated, well, that's not helping, is it? You did an amazing lead in patience to the reading for this week, Mosiah 29, which is about government structure. Isn't it just? I think. (laughs) (laughs) But as I was reading it, I was thinking, now, hang on. He's saying, I'm going to give away the power and put the power in the hands of the people, but not really. I'm also going to do the opposite. I just think that humans like to be led at the end of the day. As much as we might protest, we like to have leaders because I think if we had to have the responsibility of looking after the things that government's supposed to do. We'd never have time to enjoy anything else. And I think that when we complain about that, it's like, well, really, you're kind of getting what you wanted, aren't you? It's just another layer to add there to our predicament. Look at influencers, fashion. We're individualists as long as we're individualists together. One thing me and Jones talked about last time, and we actually got the figures a bit wrong, but we were correct in the idea, essentially. I looked it up (laughs) later. They reckon that 45 or maybe 40 or maybe 20, who knows, billion a year would solve world hunger. And that possibly wouldn't be forever either. And then we looked at what the LDS church has. They're banging on about how they did a donation recently of $48 million. They could be giving $1 and still be increased. 
And that would make either one twentieth or one fortieth of a dent in the world hunger crisis, which is substantial. But I don't think they have visionaries controlling the money and working out how best to help people with it. They just want to sit on it. They have to save for Jesus when he comes again, right? Because we know how important the mighty dollar bill will be for Jesus. Jesus doesn't need money. He didn't need money when he was alive either, did he? And he paid his taxes. Give to Caesar what Caesar's. Such a revolutionary. Oh, my God. Unless you have some effed up interpretation of God that controls the government. And that's really what we see a lot of here in Utah, where the government is really controlled by the church. Right. The church would want lax laws regarding mental health because they want to ask Jesus and come to a consensus based on their religious opinion. And hence it then becomes permissive of mental health regimes like connections that promote terrible ways of dealing with inner turmoil or even just interpersonal relationships that also then knocks on to this troubled teen industry with boarding schools set out in the middle of nowhere. There was a girl who was throwing up for a number of days. The counselors at these places are warned that if somebody gets sick, they're faking it to get out of things so you just got to hold them to it and she ended up getting really 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 sick finally they took her to the hospital and it was way too late and she died Taylor Goodridge is her name she was 17 they took her to hospital on the day she died it's not even a year ago December 20 2022 and she'd been having trouble for like two and a half months she was sent to Diamond Ranch Academy from her home in Washington state to address emotional issues. I mean, what emotional issues are we talking about here? Doesn't every teenager have emotional issues? Mm-hmm. I remember when I was a teenager, I was not a happy person at all, but I didn't need to be taken away from my parents and I wouldn't have wanted that either. And I don't know if this academy is one of them, but your parents can hire them that in the middle of the night, they will come and essentially kidnap right. you. Right. I was reading about that. In Utah's a breeding down for these types of places. In fact, Harris yeah. Hilton was sent to one in Utah for a while. Right. She's been pretty vocal about it, hasn't she? Mm-hmm. So if you don't believe the news stories, you know, believe Paris. Taylor, she had peritonitis, then went into sepsis, that then went into multiple organ shutdown, which then resulted in death. She had signs of this illness noted back as far as October. In the 12 days prior to her death, she vomited at least 14 times. And in the nine days prior, she vomited seven plus times in an 11 hour time frame. And they still didn't think that that was worthy of getting a doctor involved. What is going on here? Were they running faith healing? How do you miss something like this? That's crazy. The fact that these places are out on ranches in the middle of nowhere. It's just a breeding ground for a lack of accountability. And who are they hiring to make these judgment calls? College students, recent graduates paying $10 an hour. I don't know. How are they trained? What kind of philosophy do they have? A lot of these are set up by Mormons. This is a whole industry that is bringing in tons of money because for every child that's sent to these places, the church gets a chunk of it because these are going to be tithe payers. I learned something interesting from Natasha Helper, who was excommunicated from the Mormon church for, she had said that masturbation is normal. (sighs) There's nothing in the Bible that says you can't anyway. I know! 
she said there's a list that these bishops get to refer people to therapists. Before all this happened years ago, they came to see her because she was Mormon and she was a therapist. That interview was more like a worthiness interview than a credential interview. So it was like, what is your testimony? Are you paying your tithing? So they're recommending people based on how Mormon they are, not their credentials as therapists in the U.S. and especially in Utah. You can call yourself really whatever you want. And they may have no licensure. (laughs) They don't have licensure. They don't have to follow any ethics. They can just do what they want. I saw an interview with Jody Hildebrandt, her niece, who was with her for a period of time and did the invoicing. And a lot of the invoicing went back to the Mormon church because people would come into their bishops. They might be in financial difficulty. If they were in good standing, the church might help pay for some of their counseling. The bishop would go to the list of approved therapists, send them to Jody Hildebrandt, they would then do the, quote, therapy with Jody, and then the bill would go back to the LDS church to pay for it, from which Jody is living in, what, two to three million dollar home. These financial relationships create an environment that support the abuse. Well, thanks for talking about the depressing news stories from Mormon land. We have 47 verses of this horseshit, so we're going to need all the help we can get to make this funny. <laughs> the LDS site pulls together some of the church leaders' commentary on this, justifying the structure of the Mormon church based on Mosiah. It is very much like the Mormon church, the way they have gone back to lots of individual judges, but really, there's still a king. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I asked ChatGPT 3.5 to summarize the last chapter of Mosiah. It said, Mosiah inquired of the people's desire for a king. They proposed Aaron, but he declined. (laughs) Concerned about contentions, (laughs) Mosiah suggested appointing judges. He explained the dangers of unrighteous kings. (laughs) Wisely, he chose not to destroy his son's life. The people relinquished their desire for a king and preferred equal opportunities. (laughs) There were no equal opportunities. Judges were appointed and Alma became the first chief judge. Mosiah and Alma emphasised liberty, justice and righteous judgments. (laughs) Peace prevailed under the reign of judges, marking the end of kings. That's awesome! Oh, what a bunch of crap. <laughs> and that I understood. Chapter 29. Now when Mosea had done this, he sent throughout all the land, among all the people, desiring to know their will concerning who should be their king. <laughs> and it came to pass that the voice of the people came, saying, We are desirous that Aaron, thy son, should be our king and our ruler. Now Aaron had gone up to the land of Nephi. Therefore the king could not confer the kingdom upon him. Neither would Aaron take upon him the kingdom, neither were any of the sons of Mosiah willing to take upon them the kingdom. They pissed off to the land of Nephi to be missionaries because they were so butthurt about how they'd hurt God. (laughs) They just like had written their whole life off. And the thing is, they hadn't really done anything that bad. They hadn't murdered anyone or raped anyone or anything like that. They were just like, you know, having a good time after work, I guess. (laughs) What is their testimony? I don't get it. An angel showed up and rocked the earth. And that was pretty much it. What are they talking about? (laughs) He can't become king and he wouldn't accept it either. He didn't want the actual responsibility of trying to manage people because, let's face it, that's too difficult and 
religion never wants to do anything that's difficult. It always wants simple solutions. It wants right and wrong and nothing that's in between. And when you're ruling people, it's always going to be crunchy and in between. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I digress. For King Mosiah sent again among the people, yay, even a written word sent he among the people. And these were the words that were written, saying, Behold, O ye my people, or my brethren, for I esteem you as such a desire that ye should consider the cause that ye are called to consider. For ye are desirous to have a king. Oh my God. Why did he have to say any of that? You want a king? Okay, have a listen to me. He got a... He makes me so mad. You know what, Patience? This is very reminiscent of that discussion we had when we were listening to that slideshow they show in the temple. Repeat and repeat and repeat. And it was so painful. And it's like, why are you just saying, oh, we want this. Oh, they said they want this. Oh, did they say they wanted this? And it's like, okay, just move on, people. Now I see this repetition goes back to the Book of Mormon. Right. Move on. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Such a high capacity for boredom. <laughs> it really is a book of boredom, isn't it? They really do have too much patience for their own torture. Now I declare unto you that he to whom the kingdom doth rightly belong, has declined and will not take upon him the kingdom. You'll go. And now, if there should be another appointed in his stead, behold, I fear there would rise contentions among you. <laughs> and who knoweth but that my son, to whom the kingdom doth belong, should turn to be angry and draw away a part of his people after him, which would cause wars and contentions among you, which would be the cause of shedding much blood and perverting the way of the Lord. Yea, and destroy the souls of many people. <sighs> now I say unto you, let us be wise and consider these things, for we have no right to destroy my son. Neither should we have any right to destroy another if he should be appointed in his stead. That is just the worst way to say any of that. And if my son should turn again to his pride and vain things, he would recall the things which he had said and claim his right to the kingdom, which would cause him and also this people to commit much sin. And now let us be wise and look forward to these things and do that which will make for the peace of his people. Oh my God, that's confused. I can't remember the use of the word things in the King James Version. <laughs> but here we just refer to things. And you know what? Things can be anything you and me want them to be. So let right. us be wise and look forward to you and me being the leaders of things. We can just be things. It's Joseph Smith's favorite pronoun because it's just so nonspecific. Mm -hmm. He can use it to refer to things that he never actually described anyway. Like when his son wanted to go off as a missionary it's like we want to go and tell of these things that we have seen what things have you seen <laughs> you know it's such a filler word it doesn't refer to anything right i don't know why i'm continually so disappointed by this book but every week it just disappoints me more and more mm -hmm. every week it's a getting boring <laughs> now and see whatever those things may be <laughs> <laughs> now, better that man should be judged of God. 
than of man. For the judgments of God are always just. He's never just crazily angry and does things wildly out of proportion. But the judgments of man are not always just. Do you think? Yeah, no shit. Nobody's judgments are always just. I mean, luckily we have the prophet. (laughs) That's right. Verse 13. So therefore, if it were possible that you could have just men to be your kings, you would establish the laws of God and judge this people according to his commandments. Yea, if ye could have men for your kings who would do, even as my father Benjamin did for this people, I say unto you, if this could always be the case, then it would be expedient, oh he loves that word, expedient, that ye should always have kings to rule over you. Repeat, repeat, repeat. I'm looking here to some of the commentary. Oh. When a king is righteous, monarchy, form of government, is more efficient than a democracy. It has built-in efficiencies and checks and balances. So, they basically said a dictatorship is sometimes better. In political science, I feel like that that's one of those arguments that often gets pushed out that a good dictatorship would be very efficient and would have a few advantages. But I don't think there's really any good evidence that it would be. Mm-mm. It certainly has never played out well in history. So I just think it's a really shitty argument to even suggest that we know for sure that a good dictatorship would be a good thing. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah, we know that for sure. Anyway, this chapter gets more contradictory. So take it away, Divchina. And even I myself have labored with all the power and faculties which I have possessed to teach (laughs) you the commandments of God and to establish peace throughout the land, that there should be no war, no contentions, no stealing, nor plundering, nor murdering, nor any manner of inequity. Iniquity. Sorry. (laughs) And whoever has committed iniquity, him have I punished according to the crime which he has committed, according to the law which has been given to us by our fathers. Now I say unto you that because all men are not just, it is not expedient that ye should have a king or kings to rule over you. For behold, how much iniquity doth one wicked king cause to be committed? Ye, what a great destruction. (laughs) Yay, remember King Noah, who I totally stole from the Bible as a name. His wickedness and his abominations, and also the wickedness and abominations of his people, which were only the size of a city. Mm -hmm. Behold, what great destruction did come upon on them. What great destruction. (laughs) Was their city destroyed? Actually, no, it's still standing. What did actually happen to them? I can't remember. (laughs) And also, because of their iniquities, they were brought into bondage. No, 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 no. It wasn't because of their iniquities. You decided to do that, God, because you wanted to prove how good you were by delivering them. Or am I thinking of another time? Who can tell? Verse 19. And were it not for the interposition of their all-wise creation, Oh, so wise. Look at all the wise choices God makes. Mm-hmm. And this because of their sincere repentance, they must unavoidably remain in bondage until 
now. But behold, he did deliver them because they did humble themselves before him and because they cried mightily unto him, he did deliver them out of bondage. And thus doth the Lord work with his power in all cases among the children of men, extending the arm of mercy, oh, so much mercy, towards them that put their trust in him. What a bunch of crap. So he's basically saying, look, kings are bad and he was an example of a bad king and this is what happened. And he said all of that just to say that. It's so meandering. I bet Mormons, when they're reading this book, they're reading the words and it's really just not going in. Well, and somebody else told them how to understand it. They're understanding it through the lens, not as an independent thinker. Yeah. And behold, now I say unto you, ye cannot dethrone an iniquitous king, save it be through much contention and the shedding of much blood. For behold, he has his friends in iniquity. <laughs> friends in iniquity. And he keepeth <laughs> his guards about him. And he teareth up the laws of those who have reigned in righteousness before him. And he trampleth under his feet the commandments of God. I like that friends in iniquity. That sounds like it would be a good podcast name. Oh, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're the super friends of iniquity. Book of boredom, posted by awesome. friends in iniquity. Cool. <laughs> oh, that's your posse. Thank you, Devchina, for joining the friends in iniquity. Do you want to read 23? And he enacteth <laughs> laws and sendeth them forth among his people. Yay! Laws after the manner of his own wickedness. And whosoever doth not obey his laws, he causeth to be destroyed. And and whoever so doth rebel against him, he will send his armies against them to war. And if he can, he will destroy them. And if he can't, and thus an unrighteous king doth pervert the ways of all righteousness. I'm getting some S&M vibes here with the pervert and the bondage. Oh, for sure. He will destroy them in the bedroom, you know. Oh. And this unrighteous king doth pervert the ways in the bedroom of all righteousness. <laughs> he will send his armies against them to war. And if he can't, he will invite them to his bedroom. <laughs> and whosoever doth not obey him in the bedroom, Whoa. <laughs> he calls Causeth to be destroyed in the bedroom. <laughs> you can pretty much just add in the bedroom to anything here. Yes. So verse 24. And now behold, I say unto you in the bedroom, <laughs> it is not expedient that such abominations in the bedroom should come all over you, <laughs> upon you. <laughs> <laughs> so really, they want expedience in the bedroom. He's wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Or man. Uh, he's just wham, bam, thank you. Bam, bam, thank you. He's the only one enjoying it. <laughs> Verse 25, therefore, choose you by the voice of this people, judges, that ye may be judged according to the laws which have been given you by our fathers, which are correct, <laughs> because I'm saying they are, and which were given them by the hand of the Lord. It's like, don't have a king, have these people that will also be just like king. I mean, who's the judge here? Like in traditional Christianity where you have Yahweh, the one God, they're the judge. Is it one God or is it three? Well, uh, three and one, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you do it. Like Twix? Chewy caramel cookie? 
cookie and chocolate. A Twix is God. God the Father must be that annoying biscuit part in the middle that nobody really wants. Yeah, because it cracks. <laughs> crunch. He's like a stone that accidentally finds its way in there that you do your molar on. <laughs> Because he's not sweet. Well, no, definitely not. He's sour. Who would be chocolate and who would be the caramel? Oh. Jesus is the chocolate because that's when you see often right. like, and it's sweet. He's the outer shell and the Holy Spirit's inside, inside him. him. He loves it when the Holy Spirit is inside him. It gives him that ooey, gooey, warm feeling. The Holy Spirit's kind of sneaky. It's like where the most calories are. <laughs> it was certainly sneaky with his mother Mary, wasn't it? It's was like, oh, ba bum, here you are, you're not. Up. Yeah, you know, have Twix. <laughs> hey, Mary, eat this Twix. Oh, now you have a baby inside of you. It shall be called Emmanuel. <laughs> I'm never going to look at Twix the same again, but no. maybe there'll be a sponsor. <laughs> Twix is like God. Yeah, I've given up on trying to find sponsors for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How about Scientology? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. We gotta get another Colton who's battling with cult number one. <laughs> well, that's right. Look, once we're done with the Book of Mormon, I'm happy to take on a different cult. Maybe we could read the Quran or something and see if we can avoid getting a fatwa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so what are we on? Uh, 26. Now, it is not common that the voice of the people desireth anything contrary to that which is right. What? <laughs> but it is common for the lesser part of the people to desire that which is not right. Therefore, this shall ye observe and make it your law to do your business by the voice of the people. Huh. Even democracy needs to have ways of administrating the democracy so it doesn't end up being groupthink gone wrong. Mm -hmm. There was that interesting episode of the Orville where there was this society that was a runaway democracy. Everything was voted on and it was just like Twitter. People would just start liking shit. People liking heinous things on social media is the bad side of democracy. There's no checks and balances. Mm -hmm. There needs to be slow changes happen so that you can't have that instant social media feedback of, yes, kill him, and then having that be liked a million times in a fit of rage by everyone on the planet. It and then they get put to death and then realising a couple of weeks later, oh, we were a bit rash on that. Yeah. Okay, so 27. And if the time comes that the voice of the people doth choose iniquity, then is the time that the judgments of God will come upon you. All right, so if you do bad things, God will judge you. Do what God wants you to do and good things will come to you. How many times has he said that in this book already? This is like the 50, 100th and fucking millionth time. Yay, then is the time he will visit you with great destruction in the bedroom, even as he has hitherto visited the bedroom, this <laughs> land. Verse 28. And now if ye have judges and they do not judge you according to the law which has been given, ye can cause that they may be judged of a higher judge. Ah, oh, Smitty oh. really wanted to set up a government, didn't he? Yeah. He wanted to have levels of 
courts. And he didn't invent any of this. They had high courts and stuff back then, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. This was a pretty long time after the Constitution and law courts were set up. Right, and he was very familiar because he was in court a few times for random <laughs> right. glass speaker, glass reader, and whatever, yeah. A con man, I believe it's called. Yeah, a con man. And you know what? <laughs> I see some of this trying to get back at that. Mm. You know, F you judges, I'm going to tell you. Uh-huh. You know how people will say something, but they're really speaking to other people? Oh, for sure. And he would do that regularly with his writings. Mm-hmm. Also, he's a really perfect example of how weak the legal system is because all his life he's been skirting justice with the law and got away with it. And in the end, what caught up with him wasn't the law. It was just mob rule. Mm-hmm. So, verse 29, if your higher judges do not judge righteous judgments, he shall cause that a small number of your lower judges should be gathered together and they shall judge your higher judges according to the voice of the people. He's describing checks and balances like it's so fucking simple. I'm going to share with you what comes from Mm gospeldoctrine.com. is an analogous system has been set up in the LDS church government where when a priesthood leader transgresses, he is judged by a higher authority. When a president of the high priesthood, member of the first presidency, transgresses, he is judged by a group of the lower authorities. Hmm. But you know what? I don't see that happening. No. One has the lower authorities challenge the first presidency because they transgressed. And I'm thinking of the British were asking questions and they sent the church historian to calm them down. A rescue. They basically send in a fixer, don't they? Exactly. Mm. Try and rescue the people back to God because they had questions. So I don't see that working out. No. At all. If you look at all the horrible things that religion seems to breed, it's a lack of accountability that causes all of these things. They're talking about Mm -hmm. an accountability system here in these scriptures, but the accountability is not playing out at all. So why is the system not working? You know, you got to start wondering if maybe you're just following horseshit. Mm -hmm. But of course, that doesn't happen. But the good news is people are leaving the church in drive. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll take it from 30. And I command you to do these things in the fear of the Lord. Ah! See, I'm using my Pulp Fiction voice, you know, <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson with great vengeance. And I command <laughs> you to do these things that ye <laughs> have no kings. And that if these people commit sin and iniquities, they shall be answered upon their own heads. For behold, I say unto you, the sins of many people have been caused by the iniquities of their kings. Therefore, their iniquities are answered upon the heads of their kings. And now I desire that this inequality should (laughs) be no more in this land, especially among this, my people. But I desire that this land be a land of liberty, and every man may enjoy his rights and privileges alike so long as the Lord sees fit that we may live and inherit the land, ye, even as long as any of our posterity remain upon the face of the land. America. (laughs) So much liberty gets talked about in this chapter while also taking away so much liberty. (laughs) Oh, he's awful. 
If Joseph Smith was alive today, he'd have a really terrible podcast and he would feel liberated by the fact that he could get on there and just talk and talk and talk because he's obviously a man that needs to talk and talk and talk. He probably would have been one of those crazies like, who's that guy that gets really red in the face and sells quack vitamins and shit on his show? Oh! He would have been like Alex Jones. I don't know if you have the torture of the My Pillow guy. No, I've heard of him though. <laughs> you know, he's like wears this big old freaking cross around his neck and he's a oh huge Trump supporter. Oh, really? And he has my pillow, which is the most comfortable pillow you ever had. Well, my mom <laughs> fell for that like 20 years ago and the pillow was the worst pillow I've ever slept on. It is horrible. Oh, horrible, oh, horrible, no. horrible. It's just like a pillowcase and they stuck like Jesus inside it. They found like at the dump or something. Oh. Because my pillow, I talks about his my pillow and he turns all red and gross and then he talks about donald trump and he turns all red and gross oh my god so for all your listeners out there do not get a my pillow from my personal experience it is the biggest waste of money you're better off sleeping with rocks under your head in terms of comfort awesome they're not gonna sponsor you now <laughs> that's okay i don't care i don't need sponsorship i went and got a job instead <laughs> all right so verse 33 and many more things. things. Oh, there's that things again. Did King Mosiah write unto them? You know, we're not going to get into specifics because Joseph Smith doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Unfolding unto them all the trials and troubles of a righteous king. Yea, all the travails of soul for their people. And also all the murmurings of the people to their king. And he explained it all unto them. Or oh, did he now? So all you need to know is they put all of their questions towards him and he he was able to answer all of them. Don't worry about it. It was all taken care of. That's just like the gospel topic essays on the church's website. Just knowing that they're there is enough to keep the faithful. They don't have to read them. We've already answered it. We have an answer. It's all good. And if you ever go read them, you'll realize that, hey, these are terrible arguments and you'll probably end up out of the church. <sighs> and 34, and he told them that these things ought not be, but that the burden should come upon all the people that every man must bear his part. What? He wants every man to bear his part? Bear his part! <laughs> And he also unfolded unto them all the disadvantages they labor under by having an unrighteous king to rule over them. Yea, all his iniquities and abominations and all the wars and contentions and bloodshed and the stealing and the plundering and the committing of whoredoms <laughs> and all manners of iniquities which cannot be enumerated, telling them that these things ought not be. And they were expressly repugnant to the commandments of God. Verse 37, And now it came to pass, after King Mosiah had sent these things forth among the people, they were convinced of the truth of his words. How terribly simple. Verse 38, Therefore, they relinquished their desires for a king. Oh, they had so much desire for mm. a king. And became exceedingly anxious oh, that every man should have an equal chance throughout all the land. But only the men not the women. Yea, and every man expressed a willingness to answer for his own sins. Do they though? Do they? Do they? Do they? But, you know, let's go back to verses <laughs> and he talks about the committing of whoredoms, which 
I don't know if that specifically means women, but he doesn't talk about women except maybe their whoredoms. Right. He only talks about women in the context of something bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? My committing of whoredoms, some of them have been very satisfactory. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's always good when you can say, I'm satisfactory in bed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to all my exes out there, you know, that's whoredoms. To all my exes out there. I still haven't found what I'm looking for, but you were satisfactory. <laughs> Do you want to read 39? Therefore, it came to pass that they all assembled themselves together. Like Lego. In bodies throughout the land to cast in their voices concerning who should be their judges to judge them according to the law which had been given to them. And they were exceedingly rejoiced because of the liberty which had been granted unto them. And I'm exceedingly rejoiced because we've only got seven more verses of this horse shit. And they did wax strong in the love towards Mosiah. Yay! They did esteem him more than any other man, for they did not look upon him as a tyrant who was seeking for gain. Yea, for that lucre? That's an interesting word, for that lucre which doth corrupt the soul. <laughs> for he had not exacted riches of them, neither had he delighted in the shedding of blood, but he had established peace in the land, which he had granted unto his people that they should be delivered from all manner of bondage. Therefore, they did esteem him, yea, exceedingly beyond measure. <sighs> <sighs> So many superlatives. All right, verse 31. And it came to pass that they did appoint judges to rule over them or to judge them according to the law. And this they did throughout all the land. And it came to pass that Alma was appointed to be the first chief judge, he being also the high priest. Oh, there's a bad recipe. Let's mix religion with the law. <laughs> His father having conferred the office upon him and having given him the charge concerning all the affairs of the church. And he's kind of using church and people interchangeably now. And I bet that's kind of like what it is if you grow up in Utah. This is talking theocracy now, and that's Utah, Southern Idaho, and Mormon areas. They've taken this chapter and turned it into a bill of how to live their life. Mm -hmm. 43. And now it came to pass that Alma did walk in the ways of the Lord, and he did keep his commandments and he did judge righteous judgments and there was continual peace through the land take us home divchina all right <laughs> and thus commenced the reign of the judges throughout all the land of zarahemla <laughs> among all the people who were called the nephites and alma was the first and the chief judge and now it came to pass that his father died <laughs> being 82 years old, having lived to fulfill the commandments of God, and it came to pass that Mosiah died also in the 33rd year of his reign, being 60 and 3 years old, making it the whole 509 years from the time Lehi left Jerusalem. And thus ended the reign of the kings over the people of Nephi, and thus ended the days of Alma, who was the founder of their church. Yay! That 
fucking book is over. Well, I commend for reading this because when people say, oh, it says this, have you actually read it? You know, that's probably way more than a lot of people do who believe they follow it. Thank you so much for doing this with me. You are welcome. Getting through that last effing chapter that was so horrible. It would be one thing for me to read this by myself and get bored, but you see, we were bored together. So we shared the boredom. Boredom shared is a boredom half. I love it. And for reasons, it was great to connect with you once again. I always have fun talking to you. It was fun talking to you. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>